0: Hey, everybody. Welcome. My name is Fernando. You can call me Fernie, and this is my podcast. And for those of you who don't know who I am, check out my website, www.fernandomarone.com. I'm a professional psychic medium and spiritual teacher. And on my podcast on this show, we are going to talk about psychic vampires and energy drains, because a lot of people have some interesting ideas about psychic vampires. Um, and so we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, I hope you guys are having a good week. Um, my week has been pretty, pretty um, great actually. Um, I have some family coming in on this weekend, so that that I'm looking forward to that. Just because uh, they've never been here before, including my sister, and I'm just excited to show them like Santa Fe and New Mexico and all of the great places here that I've uh, really come to appreciate. So. Um, Something that I've been doing a lot of lately, um, and for my entertainment, for, for my entertainment, I I don't have cable. I don't have like Directv or or Comcast or anything like that. So I don't really do cable. Um, so I just feel like it's kind of a waste because you've got all these you got to, like you pay like so much money and a lot of money and sometimes you just have to wait for something to be on a program um on a channel to watch it right and i'm more of a you know click and watch kind of person so i have all of the traditional um streaming services like youtube like face oh, facebook like um netflix Hulu. Um, I have a YouTube that I watch on TV as well. Um, and I also have a Sling subscription, which is kind of like cable, except there's a lot of stuff you can watch as well that you don't have to wait for it to come out on TV. So I think that's the closest thing to cable that I have. Um, but there's also this free service called Pluto. Um, And the service, I think they came out with Pluto a few years ago. And it was just kind of, it was rough around the edges. They didn't have a lot of interesting channels. They maybe would have one or two, but they didn't have a lot of content. And this year, they really upped up their game. Uh, And if you look at the uh, app, there's a lot of different channels that offer a lot of different options for different people. There's like a a comedy channel. Um, There's this channel that plays Unsolved Mysteries like 24-7. And I am guilty of binge-watching Unsolved Mysteries. And these are like old episodes. These are episodes from like the 80s and early 90s. So um, I've been binge-watching Unsolved Mysteries. And there's just so many amazing uh, stories that I feel, you know, when they're talked about today, they aren't covered in as extensively and I think that Unsolved Mysteries was a really good program because when it would talk about a story or it would discuss a case or some mystery it would go into really really deep detail so I really appreciated that and one of the stories that I saw recently um, just so happens to to correspond with New Mexico and one of the places that I I believe I'm going to take my family when they come here is um, in town there's this place called Loreto Chapel And the Loretto Chapel is this church that was built like I think it was built like maybe two hundred years ago, um, or in the in the um, late late eighteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds. And the story of the chapel goes that there were these nuns who wanted to the sisters of of something. They wanted to build this chapel, so they. They had it built really, really beautiful, a bunch of Italian craftsmen um, in the area that were working on it. Um, and once they completed construction, they realized that there weren't any stairs leading up to the um, to like this loft in the top where they would congregate to sing. That's where they would go to to sing during you know services and whatnot. So they had spoken to contractors and talked to different, craftsmen to see what they could do to build a staircase, but in order for them to build the staircase, they would basically have to remove like a third of the seating, and that was just unacceptable. So they just didn't know what to do. Um and so the story goes with the legend of the Loretto Chapel is that the sisters prayed to this particular saint, the patron saint of something, craftsmanship or building or construction. There's, they, they prayed to a saint for about a week, I think. And at the end of that week, the last day of that week, this man wandered into town and just stumbled upon their chapel and asked for work. Um, and they said, well, you know, the only, we, we don't really need anything other than just this staircase to be built, but everyone keeps telling us that we would have to remove a lot of the seating. And so this, um, this craftsman, this, um, like woodworker, he carpenter, that's what I'm trying to say. Carpenter, craftsman, carpenter, he, um, offered to build them a spiral staircase that would take up very little room. Um, and that would be able to connect from the bottom to the top. So they were like, sure. Yeah. You know, and in, in return, they would, um, they would feed him and give him a place to stay, um, during the process during the the work. Um, and I I think that they didn't have a lot of money to, to spend on this staircase. So there wasn't a lot they could offer in in, sparse monetary gain, but this man, he just like showed up at the last day of their prayers and he, you know, offered to, to build the staircase for them. So he built this staircase that's made out of like a single piece of wood. The, the underside of the staircase is like a single piece of wood and it's a spiral staircase that does not require um it, it didn't have any rails or any supporting like structure. It was just a single piece of wood that kind of goes into the spiral. Um, and it looked pretty cool. It I, the way you can imagine it is like if you take an apple and you peel an apple all the way around without stopping. It's like one singular piece, and then if you hold that like peel, it looks like this little spiral. And it's kind of the same way the staircase was built. And uh, what was interesting is he built it with 33 steps, which is a sacred number to the Catholic order, because 33, I think, is the number that uh, the age of Christ uh, when he was, you know, when he when he uh, was nailed to the cross and all of that stuff. So uh, it was an interesting story. And after he was done building these stairs, um, which in, in, in and of itself was a bit of an architectural feat. Um, and they were kind of, you know, odd in the building of it just because they, they claim that they, the man, the only tools he had were a hammer and a saw, like, that's it. He didn't have any nails. He didn't have any this or any that. So there's no like observable area where you can see where there were nails put in and everything looks like it was just kind of like pieced together. Um, and they didn't know how, that was the case because as they go up it, you know, there aren't even rails going up the, the ladder. So it's just kind of weird the way that it was designed. Unique is very unique. Um And so the, this guy, this carpenter, when it came time to like, you know, thank him and he was just disappeared. He upped up and left and disappeared. Um, and they never even had a chance to like give him supplies or do anything like that. Um, and they also asked around town, you know, if anyone else knew where this man was at, because they they didn't feed him during the period when he was building these stairs, A- according to them that they didn't know where he was being fed from or where where he was getting his food from. So they had gone around town asking people if they knew where this man had gone, who he was staying with, who was feeding him, because they weren't able to feed him themselves since that was part of the deal. And no one knew who this man was. No one knew. No one had seen him. No one had knew No one had fed him. No one had housed him, etc. So they believed that. The, this man was sent by, by God or by this patron saint to help them build that staircase. Um, so if you go to the Laredo Chapel today, it's, it's one of the um, places that people go to. It's, it's a tourist uh, a tourist site. And uh, today they since the original staircase was built, they added this railing, um, just an ornate, really ornate railing. Just to um, stabilize the structure over time, because as time went on, it it became a little less stable. Um, and so they wanted to make sure that this would endure the test of time. So they added a railing over time. and it's like you know years and years and years later. So they didn't know. So that's the legend. The legend of the Loreto Chapel is where did this man come from? And there's been movies made about this. Like there's a Lifetime movie I think that was made about this, and this was featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Um, and so I had I, I knew about the legend. I knew about this this staircase, but I didn't have any. Like that was it. That was that's the basic story. Everybody knows the basic story about the Loreto Chapel here. Well. Unsolved Mysteries, and I was watching the sh- the episode. Um, Ed and I were watching it, and they were talking about how there was this man from Italy who had written his family back around the same time. The letters are dated the same. He had written his family that he had built a a staircase for um, for a church for for some nuns, and um, and and he had kind of gone into detail. And, and so he even sent back pictures, sketches of him designing and, 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 you know, what it would look like at the end of it, which is a, a matchup to the Laredo Chapel. And so when you ask the nuns and the people who were supporting the Laredo Chapel, they're like, no, I don't think that's real. I don't think that that's true. I think that they're just making that up or whatever. I'm like, why would they? What What's the point of making it up? Yeah, I mean, granted, you might get some attention. You might get some, some, um, some. Uh, like you might get your five minutes of, of fame but like what's the point like, it's not like you're going to get paid it's not like he's going to get paid and not only that this was someone like back in the day this isn't anyone you know in present times and so even the, gra- the, the great grandson of the man had um, gone through some of some of their things that they had from back when their grandfather was alive. and he found an old toolbox, a wooden toolbox with some tools in it, and some sketches of the staircase and it had it broken down in like all these different measurements. And uh, he's like, you know, this is proof that and, this, and, and the paper was from back in that time. And again, the, the 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 people who who are part of the organization that supports the writer chapel, they're like, No, I don't think that's true. I think they're making it up. They just want the attention. And I'm it's like to me, I'm thinking to myself, why? Why what's the point? Now, first of all, I mean, granted, yeah, that is possible, but I find a lot of times and Ed and I were talking about that, that when people have this like larger than life story when people have this amazing tale that creates a lot of faith, but also a lot of like um, mystery around it, when that story has existed for so long and there's this whole booming business around it, when some something of substance and truth comes forward, people are not so easy to accept that. And I don't get that because people want to believe that it, it reminds me of that story where this woman, there was a flood, and she got on her roof, and her house was flooded, and she started to pray to God, God, please send me someone. Send me, you know, send me, send me, uh, send me, send someone to save me. Send someone to save me. And this woman is expecting like an angel to descend from the heavens or is expecting some supernatural event to take place because she's praying so hard to, to God to save her from this flood. And so this man goes by in a boat, and... And says, you know, hi, can I help you? You know, do you need some help to get to dry land? And she says, no, 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 God is going to save me. And just completely, you know, doesn't even take advantage of this opportunity to ride along with this man. And then this other, you know, group of people who come by in a raft, you know, do you need some help? Can we help you? She's like, no, 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 God is going to save me. And then like, I think after the third time, she starts to cry and weep and ask God why God hasn't saved her, why God hasn't helped her in this state. And it's for me, that's the same idea. Like people expect sometimes this really supernatural experience, supernatural event to take place. And sometimes and many times it doesn't have to be something that's very supernatural. It can be something very down to earth, very acceptable to the average person. So for me, these people were, were praying, these, these nuns were praying, and they were asking for some help from the universe, from God. And and this man just happens to show up right at the time when they needed that help, and he knew exactly what needed to be done, and he was able to help them. He was able to do that. And so for me, I'm like, why would that not be an act of God? Why would that not be the universe law of attraction, bringing about the circumstances, the events that would help support them in their cause and, and, and to answer their prayers. I don't understand that. There are many times in my life where I have prayed or I have asked for guidance, for support for something. And something will come about. Something is is provided me to give me relief or support or guidance. And it's very natural. It's very normal. But you know the way that it's all come about is very synchronous. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of universal forces that obviously had to come together just to help with the situation. And. I don't understand why people think that everything has to be supernatural. It doesn't have to be supernatural. It can be something that happens every day at just the right time that comes along when you need it. Um, And so there are times we back in Starbucks and this would never fail. Back at Starbucks when I used to be a store manager, sometimes when I had a a ship supervisor or barista who was no longer going to be working for me, they'd give me their two weeks because they were going to either get another job or they were moving away or whatever. and I would say, okay, you know, and so I'm like, great, now I need somebody who works mornings and everybody, you know, nobody else has that availability. I really need somebody who works that spot. And so I would start looking through all the applications. And granted, for me, I, I just I'd be lazy, I didn't want to have to go through the process of interviewing and asking questions and trying to sort through the best options. I didn't want to have to do all of that just because it's a lot of work. And I just barely had enough time in my day to keep up with all of my responsibilities on the floor. Because as sir managers, we had to work a majority of our time on the floor. I only had like eight hours a week, if that, to do administrative work. And that even wasn't enough time to do that. So for me, just doing that extra stuff, there wasn't enough time in the day. And I also just would rather support the partners on the floor and help them with their responsibilities every day, with the everyday stuff, not necessarily be sitting down talking to people and wasting my time on people who may not even be the right choice. So that was my mentality. And I, even though I would go through applications and I would pick out a few um, people, um, sometimes I would just leave the, pack, the stack there and I would write a note to myself. You know, I, I'd have a to-do list, and on my to-do list, that would be one of my to-dos. It would be you know, hire someone who can work this time to this time and can work at least this many days a week. And I would post it right there in front of my desk so that I could remind myself that that's one of my things I needed to do during that week. Now, granted, the to-do list had other things on it, but um, that was part of the to-do list. And so during the week, I would go and I would always look at the easiest things to do. And then I would start knocking out the easy stuff because I knew there was other things that were more, that were more challenging or harder. And I'm like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And I would always tell myself, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But I knew, I'll just do the easy things first. And so I would start knocking out all the easy things during the week that I needed to do. Lo and behold... Um, just a few days before you know I was going to need somebody for that position or for that spot and position someone would come into the store and say hi my name is so and so I just moved into the area I work uh, you know I'm from a Starbucks up in like you know Idaho or wherever and these are the hours that I can work are you guys looking for anyone who can feel that shift and they would they would fit the exact time that I needed for that position opening so it happened over and over and over and over again and that's how I would bring that about is because I didn't question whether I would be able to find somebody. I knew that in one way or another, I'd find somebody and it was on my to-do list, but I would just work on the other things in my, in my store to support the rest of the store stuff. Um, and I would put that like later, but I always tell myself when I saw it, you know, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. I'm not going to worry about it. It's going to, I'll get to it and it'll, I'll make it, you know, I'll I'll get somebody in and then somebody would come along and fulfill that spot. So that's one of my like tricks for attraction is when you want to manifest something or when you want to create something or bring something about, make a to-do list of things that you can do that connect to supporting that thing. Um, and then add the thing you want to manifest on that list and then start working on all the easy things and start knocking out all the easy things because you're going to feel like you're actively engaged in the process of creation. And then you're also aligning with the universal. You're not questioning whether it's going to come out, you know, because you're working on it, but you know, what ends up happening is the universe makes it easier for you. And that's what it would happen. So for me, this idea that these nuns were praying for a week or two, and they were praying for someone to show up, this person shows up, and helps them to build a staircase. This person should deserve some credit. They should they should deserve credit that they had the mastership, the craftsmanship to be able to build something like that. And yet these people wanted to believe that no, 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 this was like a supernatural experience. This was a supernatural mystery. And it wasn't. It was something very ordinary. But the way that it came about was supernatural. So I don't I don't get that. I don't get why people cling sometimes to just only supernatural when sometimes people are in the right place at the right time and they're divinely inspired they're brought together by universal forces so that's that was that a little irked me and I even told Ed when we saw that like piece because I've heard about the Laredo Chapel over and over and over again in different ways but I've never heard about that Italian man who was a craftsman who had built it and had told his family he had built it and he, he didn't he didn't just you know write to his family back in the late 1800s like I built this special staircase and I am supposed to be no no he's like you know I'm doing very well I've been getting some work here and there I'm managing to survive I will try to send um, some some money whenever I can and I was able to build a staircase for these nuns who were in need like that's bird it's like a in, in passing in the letter so it's just it's just it's funny and it's and people are funny. Well, let's get to our topic because I know I said we were going to talk about energy vampires and it's already like 20 minutes into the podcast and I ain't even touched on the subject. Um so a lot of people believe that energy vampires are like bad people who take your energy. That's what they are. Bad people, like people who are like um, suspiciously trying to take your energy, or who whose only um, whose only focus is to rob you of your life force, right? And a lot of people have this idea, this very like woo woo out there idea that that's a, that's an energy vampire. And so every person who's an energy vampire is this evil person who you who are toxic person. And that's not always the case. Now, granted, um, from my experience and from my understanding, you know, energy vampires, we are all potentially energy vampires because we rob each other of our own energy on a regular basis. If someone's in need. And they are drained, or they are tired, and they don't have a way to support their own energy. And then they they you know go and get a hug from a friend, or they talk to a, a sibling, or a parent, or whatever. You know, they basically have the potential to to absorb that person's vital essence, that vital energy. Then helps to kind of replenish their own. It's kind of like a battery that's charging up. So when people people, a lot of people out there in the world. Who battery whose batteries are low, and they don't have practices, they don't have rituals, they don't have an awareness that they are draining their own batteries and that they don't really replenish that energy, and they're constantly go, 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 go. And they, because they are in such need, desperate need for sustenance um, whenever they talk to a friend or whenever, you know, then they start to absorb some of that person's energy. I used to have this friend who... She was always at like a state like that. She would always be at a state of depletion, and every time we talked on the phone, even if she—I mean, she—whether she, she lived, you know, on the other side of town or she lived a few blocks away, it's the same thing. We talk on the phone. And she'd be talking about something, and then I would feel during the course of the conversation, I would feel like my my I would feel like I'm crashing. You know, whenever you have like a heavy meal, and then right afterwards you start feeling like you're crashing. Um, that's the way I feel. I felt like energetically I was crashing. Um, and then at the end of the conversation, I would have nothing to talk about. I had no energy to barely. I, I barely could even think, let alone like sustain or support any kind of like conversation and she would be all hyper and hey, we, yeah, yeah. but at the beginning of the, of the conversation that wasn't the case that the beginning of the conversation i was the one that was peppy i was the one who was hyper and she was like all low and her energy was just you know exhausted etc so there would be a transference of energy and there was even a running joke with us where she would say, you know, oh my God, I've taken all your energy, and I said, that's okay. I already knew you needed some, and I've allowed myself to be—I've allowed myself to be drained. So it's okay. I'm—I—I I have nothing going on today, so I can lay on the couch all day and be f- perfectly okay. So it, it was just—it was an understanding that that's—that's that's what was going on there, and there are times when I'm talking to to clients, not all my clients, um, but some of my clients who, they don't have practices, they don't have um, a sense that they're doing it but they are essentially as soon as I get on the phone with them, I begin to feel this energy drain. And even though I'm trying to psychically sense for them, it becomes increasingly harder because not only do I not have, I barely have enough energy to communicate or to support the conversation, but I also feel this massive drop in my, in my energy, um, my, my battery and psychically that starts to be affected as well. So whenever that starts to happen, I begin to imagine or to visualize like a bubble of light around me and the shield or or a mirror kind of reflecting their energy back to them, because I can only do that so much, you know, I'm going to have a day's worth of clients. And if my first client does that, you know, then I have to get my energy back up to par before my next appointment. Um, And so whenever I'm dealing with that and I have a client who's starting to drain my energy because they're, they're just, they don't realize that their, their energy is kind of like an octopus. They're like reaching out for anything that will support or that nurtures or that supports sustains their state of being, whether it's their mentality, whether it's their thoughts, whether it's their beliefs or whatnot. So I will feel that and I will feel that drain happening. And then I'll start to visualize that. And that helps to, to hold back more drain Um, but usually after that client, after I'm off the phone with that client, I have to walk around, um, I'll get up even, you know, even if, even if I have another client back to back, like I'll take one minute and I'll get up, I'll walk around and I'll shake it off because I know that I've already, um, been quote unquote contaminated by that person's like need to pull in energy. So I need to like replenish mine really fast. So I just start walking around. I shake it off. Um, I'll go and I'll get like a coffee. I'll go and get like a little snack. And this is where the unhealthy snacking happens because I can go and I can have like a couple of crackers or I can go and have, um, I can go and eat something, um, really sweet, usually like a dark chocolate, buttercup from Trader Joe's. Um, but, but it's, which is unhealthy, but sometimes in those moments, it's like a desperate, (laughs) I'm in desperate need. I'm like, Oh my God, I got to get my energy up because I've got another client. Um, for me, sometimes CBD oil does help. Um, I'll like have a, a few, a few vapes, um, of CBD oil. And that tends to help kind of stabilize my situation as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really rough sometimes because I have to get my energy back up really fast to support and to go through the the, the remainder of my sessions. So it's, it's really interesting when that happens, but, um, that's an energy vampire moment. That's when the person's energy is pulling in so much of my own and I've completely drained and, you know, that doesn't mean the person's evil. That doesn't mean the person is this like rotten person. It doesn't mean that there's something toxic about them. Yeah. That's, that could be the case in some situations. It could also mean that this person just is completely unaware that they have no proper, um, strategies. They have no proper rituals. They have no proper practices to help support and nurture their own energy. And they're pulling on yours because they don't know what else to do. And so that happens a lot. Um, So when you encounter people like that, if you have friends, et cetera, and this is why I'm so picky with my friends, because if if I meet someone and they have a tendency of being that way um, within like the first few times I've met them or spent time around them then I don't really want to have to deal with them on a regular basis because I am not really about having that drain happen on a regular basis I mean it's just I think in my lifetime I've given enough to others and there's boundaries there and so for me to allow myself to be drained by someone unless it's in a session which I know it's going to happen I don't really need to have that happen with with friends or family so anyone in my life who I feel is a drain um, I've pretty much just removed myself from those relationships and put some distance between me and them and not made myself so um, easily accessible, which my mother being one of them because my mother was one of those people, um, except while she was here, while she was here visiting for the week, she was the exact opposite of an energy drain. She was actually in a really good place energetically. So I think that has more to do with the environment and the energy that I support in our home and the activities that we do that are very nurturing for us. Um, but back being back at home like just having a conversation with her on the phone for just a few minutes you can see the drain you can you can feel that that she's starting to pull on my energy so but but there are other people, other friendships that I've just ended because those people were just constantly draining the shit out of me, and I wasn't, I wasn't having it anymore. I was like, no, 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 I've, I've got enough people that I, I can't just cut off that I just can have in my life, that I can keep at a distance. I have enough people who, are, who I'm okay with having in my life, but I don't need those extra people. So there are friendships where I've just kept at arm's length just because I don't want to be drained um, on a regular basis by those people so and, and it, it might sound a little heartless it might even sound a little cruel for me it's a, it's a it's self-preservation if you are you know if you are on a raft um and your raft can only hold so many people and you've got people trying to get in and in the process of them trying to get into your raft it's causing your raft to take on water and it's even harder for you to support or sustain yourself then you've just got to let those people go um this is, this is the reality of the situation. I don't know how some people, some of these some of these people who have like hundreds of friends keep up with all of those friendships, especially knowing that some people are just dreams because it, I would that I would die. I mean this, this that's a lot. That's a lot of energy and effort you have to put into those relationships but that's an energy vampire and and we all have the capacity to be energy vampires i'm i know in my experiences i've sometimes been energy vampires for friends where when i've gone through really rough periods or i'm going through a period where i'm not able to support or sustain my own energy like with that friend i would speak to them and she would be completely you know drained and i would be pepped up again um i i know i know that you know i know that that um happens so it's not like it's a it's a everybody who's an energy vampire is evil or wrong or toxic no 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 you know they may be toxic but it's more to do with the fact that they don't know how to support themselves They don't know how to sustain their own energy um and i would i would propel i would suggest that you look at the people in your life look at who you talk to who you communicate with who you deal with on a regular basis who do you feel drained by who just kind of like just like after you're done talking to someone you just feel like like i feel just completely sucked dry or i feel just like dirty or just gross you know and that's usually an indicator that those people are energy vampires and they're they're um Regular offenders, um, and they—they and they, don't—they may, may not be aware of it, but they're doing it. And I would suggest you just put some space between you and them if you can. I know sometimes you got to work with people. you got to deal with people. Um, Luckily, at Starbucks, when I was a manager, if I had someone who was like that, then I would just get rid of them. Um, And that doesn't mean going and firing people. Now, granted, in a few instances, I did let people go because it wasn't just affecting me. It was affecting the entire team, the entire crew. Everybody was coming back with the same feedback. And so I'm like, okay, this person is not healthy for us as a team, and this person has issues, and we can't really have this person coming in and contaminating our store's energy like this, so you know what, I'm going to have to either, you know, find um, cause to let them go and you always find cause you just don't fire somebody you have to have you have to have offenses and typically with those people you wouldn't have to look you wouldn't have to wait that long because they usually had offenses um that would come up shortly thereafter and they you give me three offenses and then after that you know okay i've tried working with you i've tried to help you to shift some of the behaviors that are causing issues you're not you're not doing anything to improve the situation so i'm gonna let you go um and i've done that a few times um most of the time i didn't like firing people just because because um, sometimes people, you know, they don't just because they're not a good fit for my team doesn't mean that they may not be a good fit in another person in another store. So I would just transfer people or um, get people to go to different stores, and that seems to be the better option to, so that you can avoid firing people. Because I mean, people have to support themselves, right? People still have to feed themselves, and if they can be a good barista for some other store, then let me send them over there. I, they don't need to be. They don't need to stay here. This isn't going to work in my store. So um, yeah. But that is an energy vampire. So, if you guys ever encounter those kinds of situations, the first thing that I would suggest is just separate yourselves, remove yourselves from the scenario. If you cannot, um, begin to like surround yourself in a bubble of white light and then surround yourself with like a shield. Um, And what I mean by shield is like, um, you know, like the Roman soldiers, they have those shields that they would use when they would go into combat. You can like put one between you and that person facing them. Um, Sometimes, I think of surrounding myself in mirrors facing out, facing outwards or towards that person. Cause what it starts to do is it starts to reflect their energy back to them, which in my in mentally energetically, it's basically setting it up where they can no longer feed off of my energy and they're going to start to feed off of their own energy. And that's not going to work for them because they're not going to feel very nurtured or supported or charged up. They're going to feel drained <laughs> and then they're not going to want to continue the conversation. So you can try that too. Um, there's a story that I, I read by another a medium, Rebecca Rosen. She lives up in, D- in Denver. And in one of her books, um, she talked about, I think it was in her book. If not, it was on an online post. But she had mentioned that she was in a yoga class. And there was this one person in that yoga class who would always just disrupt the class and would just kind of make bring attention to herself and always would you know just cause a ruckus in the class. And she just did not like being around this person because every time she would have to sit next to this person during yoga class, she would just feel like sucked dry of energy. And then she didn't feel like the yoga class did what it was meant to do, which was to recharge the to rebooster. So she would um, envision like a flashlight, like a massive flashlight over this person and God's hands on the flashlight. And it click it on and it you know basically blasts this person with white light um and she said on several instances that when this when she would do this this person would miraculously supernaturally get up and move to a different spot or something would happen and she'd have to go over to a different area and she wouldn't have to sit next to her so it was an interesting strategy for dealing with uh, energy vampires um i call them leeches because that's what i, I energy vampires sounds so like just it doesn't even sound right to me. I call them energy leeches because that's what they are. They're leeching your energy. Um, and they're, they're sucking you dry and they're leeches. They're, they're always going to find something to stick to. <laughs> so, uh, which is funny. My mom's nickname growing up, all of her family members, her, her cousins or her sisters, they all called her Leecha. Um, they always called my mom Leecha when she was growing up because she would always like stick to them or she'd always be like, you know, trying to like tag along or whatever and maybe it was just a, a nickname because she would tag along and she was so young and they were much older um but that was her nickname growing up was Lecha, um which is you know kind of a spanish version for leech so which is horrible but that's what they called her that's what i mean and even to this day they still call her licha and she responds she's like yeah you know like it's just a nickname um so that's 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 um that's the situation but well guys i hope you are having an amazing day um i hope you're gonna have an amazing rest of the week as well uh i know in uh when my family's coming up here there's a hurricane that's a brewing in the gulf of mexico um i think wh- what is it called it's called brody or bobby or benny or it's it's a b i know it's a b Barry. it's called Barry. uh and every time that There's a trip coming up to Santa Fe or they're in, especially to the special house that I, that, you know, that is, they're going to be staying at Casa Jupiter. But every time they come up here or there's a trip coming into Santa Fe, there's some sort of hurricane brewing up in the the Gulf. it's, it's becoming a ritual now. So it's kind of funny, but I hope you guys, for those of you who are in Houston, I hope you're safe. I hope that you um, stay safe, um, especially if it starts to flood down there. But I love you all, and uh, take care of yourselves, and uh, we'll we'll talk next week. Okay? Bye-bye.